All right, I'm Ronnie, an alcoholic. Here's a joke for Latin geeks. Julius Caesar walks into a bar and says, I'll have a Martinez. The, the bartender gives him a puzzled look and asks, why, do you mean you wanted a martini? He goes, look, look Caesar replies, if I wanted a double, I would have asked for it. <laughs> oh. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise that might, will, might or will distract others. Uh, take this time to get connected to God, let the craziness of the day drift away, and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. So, if everybody's ready, uh, we're going to start the meditation.
Uh, so we're going to do the bog light prayer. If you don't know it, just uh, follow along. God, God, let your love shine through me, like the fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. Uh, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we've discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news that this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Chris to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it's kind of important to know what one is. So let's bring up Chris. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hey, Chris. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than themselves, ourselves, is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. <clears throat> All right. Uh, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane or meeting mode or just turn them off. Uh, and tonight we have Doc with us uh, doing his 10th session. 
Um, so it's been amazing up until this point. So I'm just I'm really looking forward to hear what he has to say tonight. We have missed him for the last two weeks. So let's welcome Doc. Thanks, man. Boom. I'd tongue kiss you. I'm not afraid. I have no fear. Doc, alcoholic. Blessed to be here, and I thank God they wrote it down. Because we can get anything wrong at any time. So I brought all my homework, right? Including 4,000 different kinds of spiritual awakenings that you should all be reading. Varieties of Religious Experience by William James. The only book that the big book says we ought to be reading, as well as the big book. And uh, we're on step 10 tonight. Fun, right? What the heck step 10? First of all, step 10 and step 11 get so mixed up. People don't know what they're, you know. It's, and I've said, I'm going to look over here and, and the steps aren't going to be here, right? But I know on camera it looks like I'm being squeezed by two giant big books. That's great. That's where I need to live anyway is between two big giant big books. Um, step 10 gets mixed up with step 11, and people go, so, so where it says in the big book that daily we do this, and then, no, they're together, right? Like eight and nine is together. In fact, all 12 steps are one step, right? They're one program. They're one thing. They just sawed them into little pieces so that you and I would not be afraid to do the whole thing. And um, <clears throat> pardon me. That's not any kind of virus. That's sinuses. <laughs> right? When you get old, you start sniffing and choking and that stuff. Step 10, continued. Okay, we could probably stop right there, right? Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Which is only a page and a half in the big book, right? It's pretty direct. It says... Well, yeah, there's two things you need to do. You need to, you need to continue to look so that, so that we clean stuff up as it happens, right? And then if anything gets through the defenses, what an ironic <laughs> step to be on tonight. <coughs> Pardon me. If anything gets through, here I have a magic. There we go. That's magic. Um, gets through, then we're, we're, we're able to deal with that individually, right? When we're wrong, promptly admit it. So we, we maintain uh, a line of defense that we try not to mess up. We're continually looking at ourselves. And in 11, it says, when we, when we bring them all together, right? When it says, let me get to 11. It says uh, that these, there is a direct, this is on page I don't know, my notes have covered the page number. 98. There is a direct linkage among self-examination, meditation, and prayer. So self-examination is what we're talking about in 10. And it directly links to 11, which is meditation and prayer. Taken separately, right, as separate steps, these practices can bring much relief and benefit. But when they are logically related and interwoven... The result is an unshakable foundation for life. What an incredible promise that is, right? Incredible promise. So we get to step 10. We've talked about going out from here. 
that really, right, that it's not talking about going out from the room and going in and doing all your restitution and everything. It's talking about the spirit where God is inside you, deep down inside every man, woman, and child, the big book says, is the fundamental idea of God and that it comes out from here and we take it out into there rather than the opposite. And I told a story a couple weeks ago when I was here about trying to get what I want bringing it in so that the flow is, if I just had this, if I just had her, if I had this money, if I had this boat, this car, this place, and bringing that in, the flow is in, I'm never going to bring God out to anyone. And step nine starts showing us we go from here out, and it says eventually giving becomes a way of life, that we find that, that giving is what this is all about. We don't see it on the walls a whole lot, but when I first got here 30 years ago, it said, right, it said, uh, to keep it, you have to give it away. Right? We used to hear that all the time. I think maybe that confused too many people. So, we're, we're, we're here, and you've heard me say a bunch of times that we're not selling any sort of psychological relief. There's great psychological relief for a lot of psychological problems. I'm all for that, right? William James talks about it. Good man, William James. Carl Jung talks about it. One of the indirect founders of AA, right? Wonderful stuff. But this, the only cure known to this disease is a supernatural spiritual cure. It, has, it, it cannot be cured psychologically. So writing your fourth step doesn't do it. Sharing your fifth step doesn't do it. Writing your eighth step doesn't do it. Ninth step, the prayer and meditation, you don't pray it away. Just like it says we cannot wish it away like we could alcoholism. Right? None of the steps get us sober. And the proof of that is we're sober when we start the steps. Right? God somehow goes, okay, I'll give you this brief gift, and what you do with it is what you do with it. And sometimes it's, it's, we're standing on one leg like a flamingo. But what it says on page 92 in the 12 and 12, this is, a, this is a great example of not listening to what the book calls the sunlight of the Spirit, what I call the Holy Spirit. I left my condo and I heard in my head, go back and get your reading glasses. I was just in the hall, right? It would only have taken me a couple minutes. And, and, and Chris was downstairs. It would have taken two minutes at the most. And I thought, no, I have another pair in my briefcase, which I didn't. So now I'm borrowing a broken pair of ladies' reading glasses to look at this because I didn't want to listen to God, right? And it says um, on page 92, right? We can often check ourselves by remembering that we are today sober only by the grace of God and that any success we may be having in everything is far more his success than ours. I've got some notes on here too that says that's, that's the difference between being a boy and a man right there is to know that you didn't do it. In fact, what I've got written on here is how to be a man above step, five, above step 10 for this. So when I'm working with young men, this is, this is my book of Titus, right? Because which was a letter Paul sent to uh, a young man on how to grow up and be a man, right? Which is awesome. And a lot of that is in, interwoven in, in, in this step. So grace, we already talked about what grace is, right? It's, it's, it's raining constantly. 
It's God wants you to be happy, joyous, and free, page 133, right? We absolutely insist on enjoying life, 132. It's raining on the just and the unjust equally, right? The rain hits the pavement and the grass the same, right? Those who deserve it and those who don't get the same grace. There's nothing I did that should have warranted God saying, I'm going to let you be sober long enough to get a hold of this thing. In fact, he got me sober 24 hours before I came into my first meeting, right? And there was nothing I could have done except that I asked for help. That's all I did. That's all I did. And I resentfully asked for help, by the way. And, I, and I've told this story before. I was reading Philippians 4.4, 4, and it said, Rejoice in all things. Again, rejoice. And I thought, okay, great. He doesn't mean on me being high and drunk and that I can't stop. And I heard that voice. It goes, yeah, he does. And I asked, and I've been sober ever since, right? So what's in that grace? There's, there's understanding. There's knowledge. There's wisdom. There's Love, agape love, right? The interchanging love between God. It's like a continuous band between God and us. There's, there's forgiveness. There's peace. There's joy. All of those things are in that grace, right? And how come I couldn't get it before? And I've said this because I was holding, you know, a bouquet of black umbrellas. I had a hundred black umbrellas that were blocking grace from raining on me. And some of them were resentments, and some of them were misbeliefs, and some of them were misunderstandings, and some of them were, were, were uh, uh, anger and, and things deep down below the level of consciousness, right, that still persist. And I could let go of 99 of those and still not get a drop of grace, right? Because I got one umbrella is enough for me to be blocked, and, and the book calls it, you know, calls it the, uh, a, a, a channel, right? To block God's grace. In step 11, in page 99, it talks about God's channel. Make me a channel of your peace, right? And where does that come in? I, I, I have to let go of everything. That's where, where three starts coming in. That's how I start getting this promised sanity. So on page 80. 84 and 85 in the big book, it talks about now we've entered the world of the Spirit. That's awesome. Man, that's awesome. Up to this point, I've been living, right? We looked at, at previously that the, the, the three phases of man, that soma is the Greek word for body. That's like the avocado, the meat of the avocado, right? And then there's psyche, which is Greek for soul. That's the seed, right? And in that seed is, is our memories and our likes, our dislikes, our experiences, our personality, our mind. All of that, who, what makes us individual is in that seed, right? It's in that, that psyche. That's why it says an entire psychic change. That's why it says this is a soul sickness, a malady of the soul. And then inside that seed is what's called the germ, the little bit that makes the seed alive. And in man, that's called pneuma in Greek. It's, it's, it, it means spirit, right? Or it translates, it transliterates to spirit, translates to breath, right? Pneumatic, pneuma, to breathe. 
And those are the three things, those are the three parts that we're at. So now we're in the world of the spirit. Up until now, I've been in the world of soma, the world of the body, right? And all of a sudden now, um, this, this step 10 is not about what my body's doing. Right? Even though it, 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 I may get on my knees to pray. And, and uh, in the original, I think it was step seven. Right, Mike? Was that originally it said, get on your knees and humbly ask? Right? And they took it out. Okay, that's fine. I leave it in. Because I'm not naturally humble. Right? I'm not naturally humble. I have to pray to be humble. Right? And so, so when I get sponsees that go, well... You know, my religion, we don't kneel. I go, yeah, well, that's fine. And when you're at your religion, you don't have to kneel. But you're in my care and guidance, and I'm suggesting that since you're, you know, a pompous SOB, you might want to get on your knees and try to be a little more humble. So I'm always on my knees, you know, when it comes to... But that's not what this step is about. It's not about what our body does, Right? It's about what happens in our heart, which is, which is in, in the psyche, right? Our heart, our, our, our heart, our mind, I almost did it backwards. Our heart, our mind, everything. Everything non-body. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. All right, we already talked about what the effectiveness is. We're continuing to look at ourselves. So that when stuff pops up, we can get it, right? We're shooting rats, (laughs) so to speak, right? We've cleaned everything up. One comes in, bang. If one gets by, then we have, we promptly admit it, right? We promptly deal with it. But we try not to, to make these errors that we did before. We made tons of errors before, and now we're trying trying to live an entirely different life. Excuse me. Oh, that's what this is for. That's right. Mm. It'll tickle your innards. Okay. No, that was, that was Mountain Dew. That was Mountain Dew. This is Perrier. Um, okay, so the effectiveness is that, is the, is the step laid out. In, in my understanding, that's what it is. Simple, direct. Um, but understanding is tricky. Understanding is metaphysical. Because understanding is in the middle of an entire process. We start with knowledge, and then knowledge becomes understanding, and from understanding, applied understanding becomes wisdom, right? So I'm having a long talk with my sister uh, uh, Paulette, right? Who, if you don't know her, looks like Grace Jones, all right? And then most people don't know who Grace Jones is these days. You should. You should. Right? So she's an awesome warrior uh, with a lot of time. And whenever we talk, it's just, it's just like a game of patty cake. That I'll say something and she'll say, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And she'll comment on it. And I'll say, no, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And I'll comment on that. And it'll just keep building. And it's an amazing spiritual experience when you have friends like that. And so last night we were talking, and this came up, right? Um, knowledge into uh, understanding into wisdom. And I said, oh my gosh, I said, while we're talking, I just had a visualization of this. 
And if you visual, and this is a great one. I'm so happy I got this. A gift. If you visualize knowledge as like wheat, right, in the field, there's everything you need to live. Wheat in the field. But you can't, like, eat it out of the field, right? That's knowledge. And you cut it down. All the knowledge in the world. She introduced me last year to get my 29-year chip. She goes, here's a guy who is a living example of how all the knowledge in the world will not get and keep you sober, right? Exactly right. You can know everything, and it'll have nothing to do because we're here only by God's grace, right? Only. So, so you harvest all this knowledge. It doesn't really do you any good until you break it and snap it apart and let the wind blow away the chaff, and you end up with just the wheat kernels. Now you have understanding, right? Now you've, you've, you've cut away all of that other stuff. So now you have understanding. You know what the knowledge actually means. But now you have to apply it, so you put it in, 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 in the mill, right? And two stones grind against it, and it comes out flour. And with flour, you can do a hundred million things, right? It can be anything from bread to cake to spaghetti, right? Anything. It's beautiful, but you can't take wheat and bake it, right? It won't do anything. And, and it's the same thing here. You cannot take knowledge and apply it. Knowledge is not power, right? We've heard it, but it, it's not. Knowledge is the first step to understanding, which is what we get at step 10. When we start applying the understanding to all our affairs in step 12, it starts to become, it starts grinding in our day-to-day life, starts grinding into something that not only we benefit from, but that we share this bread of life to everybody, right? That's what it, I was studying. I'm doing the, the, the big book study on Mondays. And uh, the family afterwards says, we believe that every family that has experienced recovery owes it to share that with families who haven't experienced it. Right? And that means you and me. We're part of that family. And I, I don't just owe it to all other drug addict and alcoholics. I owe, I owe it to everybody. You know, I owe the amount of God that, that starts coming up from way deep inside that starts coming up and starts getting to the, the skin surface, hopefully, and then hopefully giving enough that it starts shining outside so people go, man, I can see God in this guy. You know, that's, that, that's, that's my goal. And then so that I can come to somebody, some stranger, and man, that happens to me almost every day. I cross paths with some stranger in a store on the street somewhere, and boom, a conversation begins, and it always turns right into a God conversation. And when they leave, they say things like, man, you really made my day. And, and that's not my goal. I'm just talking. I'm just a crazy old dude, so I'm just talking to anybody, Right? But, it, but it's God bringing people together. It's, it's, it's magnetic how we do that. And, and so what happens? We're growing in effectiveness. Not an overnight matter. It should continue a lifetime. I'm going to skip down to the bottom of the page. Because at step 10, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. Even alcohol. Right? I have no fights. I don't care. That's, that's where Tradition 10 frees me from an opinion, right? I don't care who's president or who's not president. I don't care. I don't like any of them. 
right? Or I love them all. One of the two, I'm not sure. I'm supposed to love them all. I don't know them, so I guess I love them, right? But I don't care. I, 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 I really, and, and, and the other thing is, I'm not going to fight my financial fears. I'm not going to fight my emotional shortcomings. I'm not going to fight my relationships or lack of relationships or whatever it is, my relationships on a romantic level or my relationships with, with business or family, I'm going to let God handle it. I can tell you what, my relationship with my family is outstanding today. You know, I, I, a member of my family that I thought would never, ever speak to me again sent me uh, two beautiful medallions for my 30th birthday a couple weeks ago. It was at, with, with, with one of the sayings on it saying, you know, we, we have a daily reprieve. It's lovely. It's wonderful. And, and, and the gifts weren't so exciting to me. What was exciting is that this family member kept texting me. Did you get my gift? Did you get my gift? Did you get my gift? They were more excited about giving it to me than, than, than me getting it, right? I mean, it was just, it was just that love alone was outstanding. All of my siblings, my step-siblings, my, my parents, you know, my stepmom, everybody in my family. It's just my, my, my former wife, right? Her mom sends me birthday cards and Christmas cards. And it's just amazing, these relationships that come back. But I'm not fighting to get them, right? I'm not fighting. What does it say? It says right here, it says, we react sanely and normally. Now, that sentence is about alcohol and re- jumping back like it's a hot flame, but it's talking about everything in my life, right? I, I, I no longer want to start kicking when things don't go my way. Now, I can't say 100%. I don't know what percent. Depends on what day you catch me. One day, I may totally lose my mind. I lost my mind at a meeting the other night because for for for... Geez, 25 years that I've been going to this meeting, I know they've always opened with a prayer and ended with a prayer. And they all of a sudden decided out of nowhere they were going to drop the final prayer. So I, I, I actually did fight that one a little bit. And then, then sanity returned. But I, I, I screamed and yelled and, and uh, I had to apologize afterwards. But I'm still against it but I'm not fighting it anymore, right? We react sanely and normally. That's not as fun, by the way. I like, I like going off rail once in a while, right? I shouldn't, but I know you do too, right? It's, good. it's, that, it's, it's exactly what the 12 and 12 talks about in this step about justifiable anger, right? Is, 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 is there any other kind? Right? I've never in my life been angry when there wasn't a justifiable reason for it. Right? Because, you know, you may join me on this, I am the Batman. Right? I am justice. I am the knight. Right? If, if, I will stick my nose in your business if I think someone is being wronged. Right? I'm, I'm going to stand up and be the guy that sets everything correct. Right? That's, that's insanity. Right? You talk about self-centered, and yet we're so self-centered that we think, no, I'm just giving of myself. Right? Right? I'm, 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 I'm putting myself out there because someone has to do it. 
Right? No. No. Where's God in that? Mind your own business. That's what they taught us in kindergarten, right? Mind your own business. It's a beautiful way of life. Okay, so we react sanely and normally if we're healthy. What's the word for healthy? Sanely. Right? That word, it's uh, sanity, actually comes from uh, more, more Latin, sanitus, right? Which means health, which means, it means sound health. And then what's great is in the big book, it says uh, sanity is defined as soundness of mind. Hey, that's exactly right. That's, a, that's a, an exact dictionary definition of what sanely and sanity uh, means, right? What it defines as. We act healthily and within a social norm, right? Within our society, there are things that are normal, and we act that way. But here's the beautiful. Here's grace. This is what grace is. We will find that this has happened automatically. I don't have to act sane, right? Or act normal. I just have to quit fighting. I have to let go of every, every umbrella. I have to let grace enter me. I have to let God come from way deep down inside that little spark that makes me alive. You know, Buddhists believe that same spark is in a tiny little sugar ant. Oh my God, I spent two years in a Buddhist temple and like you go into the kitchen to make a cup of tea and there'd be ants all over because it's Florida still. And I get ready to go, oh, wait a minute, I can't do that, you know? They frown on that here, right? They frown on swatting flies and crushing spiders and stuff. And actually it kind of made sense to me because that same pneuma is probably present, right? We can't reproduce life in any, in any way. We can only pull it out of a seed by, by putting conditions correct that, that God already sets up. We find, we see that our new attitude toward liquor, toward life, our new attitude has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. I'm working on uh, step whatever, right? You're working on it, huh? Good for you, man. You just keep working. I'm working on my character defect. Good for you. You might want to go back to step one where it says you don't have the power to work on your defects of character. Well, that doesn't, that said we were powerless. Yeah, we, I am. I am as powerless now. In fact, the book says, you know, when the sponsor points out that you're still powerless, that's the last straw and we're really upset about it, right? And he laughs. That's what the book says. I think it's in Bill's story. I don't know. I don't know this book very well. <laughs> it's been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. Not only liquor and drugs and inappropriate sexual behavior or deviancy, I should say, which is, by the way, that word is great because it means against the norm, the social norm, so it would be abnormal, and we're supposed to be acting sanely and normally, right? So it doesn't matter. I, you know, I, I, I am not the arbiter of anybody's sexual behavior. I'm just talking about what is a sexual norm and what is an, a sexual abnormality, right? Which we, by the way, just revel in that stuff. 
We're not fighting it. We're not avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed, placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected, right? I didn't earn my spot here. I didn't work my spot here. I've been picked up and placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected, right? That's the sanity I want. That's our experience, it says. This is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. That takes us back to effectiveness, right? How do I stay in fit spiritual condition? I continue to look at myself, see where I'm wrong, promptly admit it, and correctly interweave it with the next step, prayer and meditation, right? Which we're going to get into. And that's why it goes into, you know, what we really have is a daily reprieve, contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day, I'll get back to this. Let's go to here. What happens, what happens um, when I'm disturbed, right? That's, what, that's where we get caught up in step 10. We go, yeah, but the big book, or the 12 and 12 rather, starts talking about um, uh, spot checks and is spot inventories and daily inventories and nightly inventories and monthly inventories and yearly retreats and what does it all mean? And I go, okay, well just, you know, read the 12 and 12 and ask your sponsor. We're going to talk about something a little bit easier, right? We're going to talk about the things when they when they pop up, where's where's where, where's disturbed? It's on ninety three, right? Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. So this is it, right? If you're not following along, I'll read it for you. Um, whenever we're oh, I, I I have the wrong thing. Where's wherever we're disturbed? Wherever we are disturbed. Am I on the wrong page? Oh, it's on 90. It's on 90. Thank you. It's a spiritual axiom that every time we are disturbed, there is something wrong with us, right? That's not what it says. (laughs) Oh, you were following along, so you knew that's not what it says, right? It isn't, but that's what gets quoted quite a bit. Whenever we're disturbed, you're the cause of it. If you're disturbed, you're at fault. That's not what it says, and it's not what it means. I mean, if we read the whole sentence, it says it is a spiritual axiom, right? A spiritual axiom that it's it's a a trope. That's another word for axiom. That's a modern word, right? It is it is so it is said so often. It's understood so much that it's 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 a it's a norm, a spiritual norm. That every time we are disturbed, what does the word disturbed even mean? What it means is, it comes from an old word, it's a, it's a military term. It meant to have your village invaded. It meant that your peace was removed, right? So if your village is invaded, right, like if it's dissected, right, disturbed, if it's cut off from its peace, you're disturbed, right? So I have all of a sudden, and that makes sense, all of a sudden my peace is gone, the both kinds of pieces, the, the tranquility, right? Tranquil. Or, or the holy peace, the La Paz, which is a glimpse of me, my perfect spot in God's perfect tapestry, 
right? Knowing exactly where I am in God's plan and why I'm there. And I only get that glimpse of peace once in a while. The other is just a calm feeling of peace, right? And they're both, they're both uh, within grace. But when I lose that, I'm disturbed. So it doesn't say every time you lose your peace, you're the reason you lost it. It says every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, right? If I walk out there and somebody hits me with their car, God forbid, I'm going to lose my peace, right? I'm not going to, you know? But it's not, my, it's not my, my fault. I'm not the cause of it. Here's what I do have control over. Here's what I do have control over. If I come to and I want to get up and beat the hell out of, out of the driver, or do I want to come to and go, thank you, God, that I'm still right here, right? That's it. But, but see, I pray for peace. I work for peace. I want peace. I look for peace and grace. I try to get rid of the umbrellas to, to get free peace. And then I get behind the wheel, and I start driving on I-95, and I will throw peace out the window as soon as somebody cuts me off, right? Or, or, or they're going too slow in my lane, right? And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm the only one in the car, so I'm the only one that can hear me scream and yell and curse, right? My peace is gone, right? So what, what, what does that mean? It says, no matter what the, the car was the cause, a, 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 a stupid person behind the wheel, was the cause. But I gave away that peace. There's something wrong in, in italics with us, right? There's something wrong with me. What's wrong? I'm not on that level. I'm not on that spiritual plane anymore. I'm not working for understanding, right? I'm not, there's no empathy in me at all. Right? All, I, 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 have, I have no... I don't stop and think, who's driving? Now, what got me over that is my daughter became, uh, 10 years ago, uh, aged to drive. And I just st- suddenly started picturing every Miami, we're the worst drivers in the world, right? And we're proud of that. We're proud of that. I think we were like six years in a row nationally voted worst drivers in the, in, in the country. And, and we take that as, as like an award, Right? It's, this is the, the, Dave Barry said, this is the only city where uh, a blinker is a sign of weakness, right? We, we like it. We like how awful our, our, our driving is. It could be worse. It could be Rome, but it's not. It's Miami. It's awful. And yet, I will throw my peace out at them at no cost, right? I work all day. I work all night. I pray, and I throw it out the window. It's gone. It's gone for nothing. Why? Because there's something wrong with me. Right? I'm not being effective. I'm not searching myself. I'm not being empathetic. I'm not looking at... All I had to do is start looking at all of them like they were 15-year-old drivers. And they were all somebody's beloved daughter. Whether they were... It didn't matter who because mostly I can't see who's driving from behind anyway. But as soon as I imagine that, my forgiveness rate went way up, right? Because I could relate to it personally. It was now, now it was about me, right? And my daughter, 
right? I had to fool myself into empathy for a while. Now it doesn't really bother me that much. On some days it might. And that's why this is written down. If somebody hurts us and we're sore, we are in the wrong also because we're sore. That's all. Right? A friend talks about it, says, you know, another friend of his felt betrayed. And so that second friend is really angry at the first friend. Okay. Sorry, but they're both in the wrong. Right? If you steal from me, I'm supposed to give you, you steal my jacket, I'm supposed to give you the matching trousers, man. I'm not supposed to come back and burn your house down. Those make great movies, but they don't, they're not good for living, right? Justifiable anger. Justifiable anger. We have found that justifiable anger ought to be left to those better qualified to handle it, Right? A burst of temper could spoil a day and a well-nursed grudge could make us miserably ineffective. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be growing ineffectiveness. So what do we do? We watch for, because these will come up. It says when these crop up, not if, right? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Okay, was I selfish today? It's what time? It's, it's, it's in the evening. Eastern Standard Time, it's 8.05. And have I been selfish? Oh man, I was selfish when I woke up. My first thought was about me, right? My first thought was like, oh, how do I feel? You know, it should have been, and I like it when it is, my first thought should be, good morning, God, who can we help? Big words, right? And the reason I have those big words is because a few years ago I stood up at the podium and I said, I don't wake up and go, who am I going to help, God? And then it hit me, go, yeah, you ought to. And then so by, by outing myself in front of a room at Little River, I realized, oh man, that's how I'm supposed to wake up. And so a lot of times, maybe most times, those are my first thoughts. Who can we help today? Not today. I woke up and went, how do I feel, right? I feel like, like, I feel like Rick after he's been little Rick all day, you know, right? I've been in a little kid. I can feel my bones scraping together now, you know? I'm old again. Fudge. Was I selfish? Yeah, absolutely. Dishonest? Um, almost. I, I, I owe so many people money right now thanks to the IRS. Well, not thanks to the IRS. The IRS is just the beast that bit me because I didn't feed it for so long, right? So it, it, it is, I am the cause of that disturbance completely. But then I thought, should I tell this person that I don't, ha- should I get, what, how should I, you know, distribute the little bit of money I have and what lie should I tie to each bit of money as, as I send it out, Right? So then I just said, I'm not doing any of that. So I, 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 was, I, was, I had the ability to be completely dishonest all day. I didn't quite act on it. Resentments, I'm, I'm fighting those, right? I'm fighting. I don't really have a resentment. I did it all. Thank you, God. I did it all. And fear, yeah, sure, all day, every day, so far. <laughs> not all day, every day. 
today, some. Enough, enough that that corrosive thread probably burned a little line in the fabric of my life, right? So what do I have to do? What I'm pointing out is where it says, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, that means that probably every day I should do this. I'm on a daily reprieve, right? God's given us a 24-hour day on this planet. However you want to believe, it doesn't matter how it was created, how it came to be. It's the way it is now. And metaphorically, we die and we awaken every morning, right? So there's this whole death and resurrection thing. There's this whole day and night thing. It's beautiful, and all of it is reflected in one day at a time. Right? That's all, and a daily reprieve. It's all we live by is today. And actually, you know, Einstein said the notion of past, present, and future is an illusion we have to disregard. So it all happens today. That's all. It's all happening today. Even tomorrow and yesterday are still happening today. There is no now, but there is today, right? So when these crop up, there are three things I can do, and I'm done with it. We ask God at once to remove them. We don't ask God to remove them at once. That's different, right? That's telling God what to do. It means at once we ask, not that we ask God to do it at once, right? We ask God at once to remove them, step one. Step two, we discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. That's admitting my wrongs, right? Promptly. Not probably, promptly. Probably admitted them. We ask God to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately. Then we resolutely, which is a great word, I am resolved to do it. I am committed. I am, I am, I am contracted with myself. I promise. I was trying to talk to a young man the other day about, like, if he said he was going to do something, he has to do that. And his reply is, yeah, but things come up in life. Go, yeah, but you have to prioritize. And if you say you're going to do it, you do it, no matter what. Well, no, sometimes more important things come up. No. (laughs) If you say you're going to do it, you do it. That's it. So three, then we resolutely, we resolve, we commit to turn our thoughts, not our actions necessarily, but our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. So what I find is I immediately, if if I get caught up in selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, or fear, if I get caught up in anything that makes me uh, less effective, in my living day-to-day and keeping everything clean, keeping the dance floor clean, keeping myself sane. It says, for now sanity has returned, right? If, If I find myself in any of that, then at once I ask God to remove that. Then I immediately call someone, usually someone with a lot less time. So all I have to do is call and say, hey man, how's it going? And they go, oh, you know, how's it going with you? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going through a bunch of crap with this, and I'm feeling totally dishonest because I want to lie to this guy and that guy about the money I don't have yet. Um, 
but tell me what's going on with you. So now I've discussed it, and then he will talk for 45 minutes, right? Uh, uh, unbroken, and I'm good. All of a sudden, all of my, my dishonesty vaporizes. It dissolves, leaving not a wreck behind, right? So the last thing, and then I'm out, is that when in, 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 the book of Titus is great for about for step 10, by the way. If you're interested, that's great. If you're not, that's up to you. Um, but it talks about how, how a developing young person will become an adult. And one of the things is that it says, uh, rejoice, pray ceasingly, ceaselessly, right? And thank God for everything. So rejoice, pray without ceasing, constantly, right? Always praying, and thank God for everything. And then so the big book says, we're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. Well, what, what would that be? Well, it gives a prayer right there. It quotes, quote, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly without ceasing, right? Constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. And it, it, it comes back to, again, there's, there's a lot of different religious beliefs, and, and, and one of them is, is Buddhism, where it says, you know, this is a sea of suffering. Our whole purpose is to help people out of the suffering. Page 77 back here said, right, that our real purpose is to, be, is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us, right? And that's what I'm praying constantly. How can I best serve thee? How can I best be a servant to him or her or them, whatever your higher power is? For me, it's thee. It comes out of the book. Thy will, your will, not mine, be done. How can I help others? How can I serve others? How can I bring this out every day? Every day and try less and less. Now, next week, I'll be back with this wonderful, cool format, no doubt, and we'll talk about prayer and meditation and how all this goes together and I remain your humble and obedient servant, Doc Alcoholic. All right, let's thank Doc again. Thank you. And we're going to have Megan come up and do our secretary's report. Uh, hi, my name is Megan, and I'm oh, your recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. I've asked Kathy to read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as uh, recovered rather than recovering, and what exactly it means to be a recovered alcoholic. 
Hi, I'm Kathy Alcoholic. Um, Kathy. We are not cured of alcoholism, recovered but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for a lifetime, but we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thanks, Kathy. 1940-style big book sponsorship from forward to second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and, and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, came to believe, and experienced is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Could I please have a show of hands of recovered alcoholics? And anyone needing a sponsor, raise your hand. Okay. Um, we will keep you posted on our meetings uh, going forward, what they will be, but uh, like the Monday night meeting. But join us again next week um, for this meeting. Um, we'll be broadcasting it as well. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, the little red book, and big book dictionaries for sale. We meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15. See you all next week. Uh, we have tonight's session and all past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. Um, I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to be uh, doing it the same format that we're doing right now, so uh, just tune in on Monday. Um, we just started more about alcoholism, so it's a good time to join. Um, those who wish to thank tonight's speaker, uh, send them a text. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, let's close with the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> who can bring us from shame to grace? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and give us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Right, see you all Monday or next Thursday and stay safe.
much accumulation. Possessions that I have amount to nothing at all. Yeah, 
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Far and wide, 
just about to smile Show up and plug in my guitar And I play my songs And people sing along And stomp their feet and raise their arms And here in this moment that we share Nothing could come Ten years old that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. <laughs>